Hello everyone, I'm Mr. Silver. I'm Miss Kit. And I'm Mixed Cat. And today, we're discussing... What makes a good or bad fictional character death? And, uh, spoiler alert and content warning, obviously we're going to be discussing a lot of death and a lot of series spoilers. So if there's anything that we mention that you don't want to hear, um, this is your time to turn away now. Yeah, we'll try and, like, say the series before we mention anything important. Exactly. We will name what show we are discussing before we start talking about actual characters in it. Yes. Uh, so today we're going to be discussing uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure deaths, a couple of Marvel deaths, uh, Banana Fish, and Ruby. And then if any others that we think of come up along the way, um, we'll be sure to mention them as well. I mean, I feel like I'll spoil Ruby for you because you haven't seen all of it. I've if I really already like, already been spoiled. I don't care. <laughs> uh, okay. You literally just said after season three, it gets terrible anyway. So just go. I mean, I still watch it just because I like the characters, but like that's about it. <laughs> the story goes real bad. Okay, before we start discussing specific characters. Hmm. What makes a good versus bad fictional death? So there are certain traits that make them just straight up bad. Yes. So first, the good. Uh, Things to keep in mind when writing a good fictional death is uh, how does the audience perceive the character? Do they like them or not? Um, Because if both if they like them and if they dislike them will make it to where if uh, a death is impactful. Um, if, if they really... You don't want them to feel neutral. Yeah, obviously. But, like, if a char- if a, the audience really dislikes a character, they'll feel a good sense of catharsis upon them dying. And then if an audience really likes a character, uh, you can really It will use... hurt in all the good ways. Yes, you can use that death uh, to really tug at their heartstrings and make them feel things. Um, next thing to consider is uh, remembering how their death impacts the other characters in the piece of media that you're writing um uh, you need to because obviously a person whole died they need to uh, there needs to be some sort of uh consequences and mental impact on the people that they were around um and another thing to keep in mind is did they achieve their goals uh how close were they to achieving their goals uh, because whether or not they did is going to impact um, like how torn up someone's going to feel about their death and like how the characters in the show are going to be able to um, continue on uh, with their goal as well, uh, or whether or not they even are going to be able to complete the goal for them. All right. And you keep saying show, but I mean, this is relevant to... TV shows, comics, web comics, mm-hmm. books, movies, any, any anything piece of media. that has fictional visual novels. Yes, visual, visual novels, novel. silver. <laughs> we all know visual Yay. novels. Can we be. are all well aware of your obsession. <laughs> I mean, you two are. <laughs> Fine, we both are aware of your obsession. Yes, and one that like kind of hangs between good and bad for fictional deaths 
oh, I, I just had this in my head and I lost it. Rip. It's gone. Okay, skip that. <laughs> okay. I mean, there's also like a fact that the death, it needs to seem realistic in the sense that it's like, they can't just die from something that's just like convenient. They need to die, so throw something exactly. random out and kill them. Like it it's needs to like realism. actually make sense. That's what it was. Like, there's a lot of series or like places where they'll just like have a character be like totally off their guard and just die in like the most ridiculous manner. I, I remember the in between. The amount of deaths you have also has to match the situations at hand. Yes. Which is basically another aspect of the realism. Yeah. If you are writing or watching something that takes place in the middle of a war and literally no one dies. That's just not going to happen. That's just bad yeah. writing. Someone's going to die. Obviously. Many people are going to die. It's war. That also kind of goes back, goes into like the idea of plot armor, where it's like, it, it it's not always the right call. Mm-hmm. Rarely is it to like have big main characters die, but like. It, it, it can be really frustrating if there's never a threat because yes. then people just get so comfortable that it's just like, oh, nobody ever dies. Yes. They, it's yeah. fine. Which brings us to our first uh, first point of what makes a bad death, which is when there are no consequences to their deaths. Um, there needs to be a mm-hmm. sense of weight and a sense of threat to a, a character might actually die in this situation. Um, if uh, there's uh, an easy way for them to be revived or um, if uh, their death doesn't really have any impact on the situation, there was no need for them to die to begin with. Um, yeah, or if there's, like, easy ways to talk to the dead, yes. like mediums and such. Like, it's just, like, kind of pointless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, well, then, if they die and then you bring them back and there's no consequences even to bringing them back, mm-hmm. they just got resurrected for nothing then what was the point? There has to be, if you implement that, you have to have the characters that brought them back give something up, whether it is something important to them or a piece of their own humanity. Mm-hmm. They can't just I mean, come back. That being said, that's not to say that you shouldn't use revive things or like mediums and such. It's just like there needs to be some weight still. Like it, it can feel like that just kind of takes all of the impact away. Yeah. It has to... The, the experience has to change that character in some way. Like, yeah. can I just pull up an example real fast? Yeah. Spoiler alert for the Dragon Prince. Yes. In the end of season three. Oh, Kat, you haven't seen this yet, have you? Just do it. Just rip it off like a band-aid. Just do it. Um, so at the Whoa. end of season three, when Viren falls to his death and Claudia uses the spell she used to heal Soren to, re- to resurrect him. Uh Half of her hair is now white, which implies that she is giving up pieces of her humanity to resurrect her father from the dead. So it is, yes, there's a resurrection, but it contains sacrifice. She is giving up her own humanity. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've not seen this series at all, but if it only changes her hair color, like that kind of seems. It's more of like a symbolic thing. Yeah, that's the visual change I mean, you can see. Like, there are... When she's there doing... needs to be something, like, more obvious than that in the sense that it's, like, sure, like, 
it's like the same thing as like an English teacher saying, oh, the curtains are this color because it represents this. Like, no, the author just decided well, to make can... the curtains this color. Like, it, there needs to also be like a change in her actions or something. Like there an is. actual like, you, okay. She has to kill something. Like the first one she did, she killed a baby fawn, which is an innocent small creature that she felt guilty for. Mm -hmm. I don't even want to know what she had to kill to bring back her dad. Right. Because that was just healing someone who was injured the first one. Yeah, they make a big deal out of that in season so to two. say, like, it's a random animal. Yeah, the whole, the, the killing and sacrifice, and then the whole, the slow, it's a slow corruption, almost, yeah. that it's just visualized by the changings in her appearance. Showing, not telling. So that was just an example of a good, a good resurrection. Yes. They are there. They do happen. Yes. Uh, so the next element of what makes a bad character death um, is when they only kill the character for shock value. Um, once again, mm -hmm. um, it, it proves that, uh, that obviously that character was not necessary. They did not necessarily need to die. They, that is just trying to get a reaction out of your audience. Um, it, yeah. Once again, and I mean, looping back shock value is fine, but there needs to be more to it than just that. Exactly. There, there needs to be some sort of consequence to them dying as well you, you shouldn't just like be trying to um scare your audience into oh oh no yeah oh no that person died i mean unless you're actually doing like a horror movie or something in which case yeah i guess that yeah, it's a little bit more complicated <laughs> in horror movies because that's yeah. like the, there there's a lot of specific elements of horror movies um but yeah and horror media that like uh, there's like a lot of core fears that uh, uh, horror movies uh, utilize. Uh, and it's like fear of the dark, fear of death, um, fear of the unknown, and stuff like that. Um, fear of loud noises. <laughs> oh, hush, you. Oh, hush. Don't call me out like that. <laughs> but they use all of those elements together to make it more impactful. You can have a character be dead for shock value and, and it just adds, yeah. that's part of the, the trope is it's adding to um the, the tension that being said like having think having people die just for shock value is like not usually a good mm -hmm. thing but like on the other end of the spectrum it's also really bad if it's super predictable like yeah and i mean it's fine if it's like predictable that like yeah i feel like this character is gonna die but like if you know exactly when and how like it's like eh yeah, so there is definitely a happy medium. You should definitely have um, a, a, a balance where you can kind of, like, imply, like, oh, this character um, is, is probably about to uh, get into something that's going to kill them um, mm -hmm. a, a versus, like, um, having a lot of... <laughs> I'm trying to think of an example... Uh, so my writer brain is making me think like, oh, the this person is is cursed, and so throughout the entire rest of this media, you're just having this really slow burn sort of acceptance of oh, this person's gonna die, um, and then by the time that they actually do die, um, like we already know that they're dead. I mean, that being said, that could also be written well. I could see it a could situation be. where that's like not bad. Yeah. Because, I mean, that, that can be done 
like in just like a typical sense with like diseases like cancer like some other like sort like in that fashion in like a realistic sense in addition to like magical curses and such yeah yeah not to say that also shock value deaths are also bad because there are good shock value deaths that can come but particularly if you know you're portraying things that are very real life like something mundane a car accident something they're doing normal if you're doing something or watching something that's from a more modern day like death can be sudden and just happen and it's over or again if you're doing something in a wartime someone gets shot a stray shell something Uh, just just or like assassinated like it's done i can't believe that just happened what just happened yeah but it has to fit the context yeah and like mentioning the car crash example um that is definitely it does help give weight to um characters mortality it sort of it sort of humbles uh it should humble the characters um and sort of remind them um like the after that it should be like them struggling with a sense of um permanence you know right struggling with a sense that like i read i read a book once i can't remember what it's called but the beginning it emphasized this little girl who was you know, 10 or 12 and her brother had died very suddenly in his teens. And the whole beginning of the book was her like, is there a stronger sunscreen? Is there something safer I can do? Mm-hmm. You could, I could die at any minute. You can die at any second. I don't remember what book that was, but I remember that. I remember her panic and her fear and right. the way it impacted her of, I could die at literally any second. And we didn't even witness that death, but his death affected the story so strongly. And we never met him. And I feel like those types of shock value deaths, they definitely um, should have the characters, like, grieve stronger. Um, Yes. Yeah. They they should be... I feel like the biggest takeaway from any death is how any other character responds. Yeah, and they should be spending a lot of time... um, like uh, uh, coming to uh, acceptance that that character is actually gone. And that's a lot of things. That's something a lot of things I see in media struggle with too, is reactions and the consequences of death. And Mm -hmm. like, if you have someone who is a, who has trained people that have gone to war, there's so much death around them. They're kind of hardened against it. They don't grieve the same way. Mm Mm-hmm. But you've got yeah. to explore that in a perfect way. If you have someone who hasn't been around death, lived in a modern, comfortable lifestyle with just random things, and then suddenly someone close to them dies, they're going to feel that. They're going to be affected. They're going to grieve for months or mm-hmm. years. Definitely. And it they're... has to. It, it's not constant because the grieving isn't constant, but seeing little things that remind them of that person and then the feeling of, oh, oh, they're gone. I'm never going to see them again. Mm-hmm. And next, um, I speak from experience. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, unfortunately, it's something that we all have to live with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a fact of life. But you got to portray that in the media. Yeah, definitely. Death and taxes. The two death sure and taxes. <laughs> yeah, the next thing that makes a character death bad is if it's not memorable. Like once again, um, if if um, you can't remember um, how an, imp- an important character died, um, 
then that's pretty sad. Yeah, the, then then you sh- you shouldn't have something went wrong somewhere. With it, or you should have given them a better death, more time on screen, something. Yeah. Not only if it's not memorable to the reader, but if it's not memorable to the characters, like we were just saying. Yeah. If the characters don't seem to remember that that person ever existed mm-hmm. after they're dead, it's just like. Then what was their point of then existing? Then you're probably your not story? writing them right either. Exactly. Yeah. Then you then you never should have included them in the story because they just they're inconsequential. Yes. Yeah, and one thing I said is like more screen time. That doesn't necessarily make like there are some good character deaths where like they're either not on screen very long or, as uh, Kit put it earlier, that they were never even in there to begin with, like directly, like. One of one of the best, uh, spoiler warning for The Last of Us, was just at the very beginning, like, 20 minutes into the game, the prologue, when Joel's daughter dies, ah, oh, it's so heart-wrenching. Just, like, the emotion, and especially in media that you could like hear and like see more so than like read like you could see like actors expressions and such like people can sell it really oh, well yeah. yeah it's always amazing whenever you can uh when whenever you can like see grief hitting a character yes now one of the main things that makes a bad character death that i would personally like to talk about because this one's my point mm-hmm was when death is used in a sense of a redemption arc. Mm-hmm. So I will talk all the time about how much I love redemption arcs. Give me that Prince Zuko redemption arc. Mm-hmm. That's Avatar, right? Yes, that is Avatar. And if you didn't know that, I would have been very disappointed in you. <laughs> I've never seen it. How? And frankly, I don't even want to watch it. Dare. It's so good, man. Like off topic, but yes, okay. But if your redemption, entire redemption, is this person has been a person the entire time, they have been a terrible parent or a terrible friend, or they have been betrayal, betraying people left and right, mm-hmm. and they're just not a good person. But oh, last minute they took a bullet for the main character, and now everything is forgiven and we love them. Like what? Even no. That's not a redemption arc. That's, I hate it. You are still allowed to dislike that character. Yeah. Like, you that's don't just have to forgive bad... them. At that point, I would probably dislike them more. Yeah, exactly. Just because I just, like, really, yeah. It's such out a of spite. cheap cop-out. And full disclosure, I've never seen more than an episode at a time of Supernatural. I typically only saw it when it came on after I watched Bones. Mm-hmm. But I have heard that the death of Sam and Dean's dad did exactly that. And I've read a lot of angry people on Tumblr going on about how he shouldn't be forgiven just because he one shot randomly decided to take a bullet for his kids. He was still a crappy dad. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's what I've read. I, w- I wouldn't know any better. <laughs> Other people will jump on me if I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> be very afraid. All right, so I think that's all of our uh, main points about uh, what makes a good or a bad death. Um, So let's jump into some more specific examples. Um, Do we want to start with with bad? Because let's 
start with the negative and then we get to the positive. Yeah. End so, on a positive note. <laughs> I feel like we should start with Marvel. Mm, Marvel did terrible. So now, this is not saying that we don't like Marvel. I no. have long loved the MCU and the entire way that it was set up. The live yes. action shows for movies were really, really good for the most part and i have enjoyed them i also just love stanley yes um we stanley stan is a wholesome phenomenal <laughs> we stan stanley um but the towards the end of in infinity war and end game so obviously obviously uh like we knew that there were a lot of high stakes in these movies and that people were going to die but the way they handled these deaths was just not very indicative of the writing up to this point. They, they, were, they were kind of like um, ignoring their own writing. So first off, we have Black Widow in uh, Infinity Wars. Nope, nope. Black Widow was Endgame. Black Widow survived Infinity Wars. She oh, died in Endgame. Oh, that's right. Uh, that was Endgame. Okay, every single death in Infinity Wars doesn't count because they just coughed out, revived all of them. Except Gamora. Except and I'm Gamora. mad about that. Mm-hmm. Which the fact kinda... that you couldn't remember when she died is proof of bad character death. Yeah, exactly! <laughs> right? <laughs> I, and part of it is also just, like, self-imposed, like, because I, I don't like going back and watching Endgame. Uh, the only one in my brain that I choose to acknowledge is Infinity War, so that's part of it. <laughs> But, like, every death in Infinity Wars was a cop-out, except for Loki. Even Gamora was a cop-out because they went back and got her from the past. Yeah. So, literally, every death in Infinity War was a cop-out except Loki, and I am very upset that they did that because how dare they? Yeah. And, And, like, after the movies came out, after the movies came out, you see all of these people talking about, like, alternative ways that even he could have died and it still would have had more meaning. But literally, yes. he lashed out, and then there were no consequences. He just died because he lashed out. And they even, even with so many fan theories about how he could have survived, but how he attacked mm-hmm. Thanos with his left hand instead of his right, and his clone is always left-handed. Mm-hmm. But they didn't even give us his revival when they could have made it meaningful and impactful and it's Loki, of course he's not dead. Yeah. That's the one where you choose him to actually die. That time? It's a stupid way for him to die. Oh my gosh. But we were not supposed to be talking about Loki. We were supposed to be talking about Black Widow. Hey, obviously we have feelings. (laughs) Oh. Black Widow's death really showed that the creators of Marvel emphasized the heteronormative family value sense over anything else. Mm Mm-hmm. Because even after she died, you see the point where someone, was it Tony that asked if she had any family? I think it was. And it was Steve that said, yeah, us. And it's like, first of all, Tony would not be the one asking that question. Like, he would know more than anyone. Mm -hmm. And like, the the way they did it, like, they put the values of Hawkeye and his actual wife and kids over her. That we... That we as a, as an audience have only seen the once. Yes. And it's just so ridiculous, the values of that. And it just, it was not fulfilled. It was not meaningful. Mm-hmm. 
I was prepared to lose her. I will rant. I was prepared to lose three people in Endgame. I was prepared to lose Captain America, Black Widow, and Hulk. I was not happy with the way we lost the people we lost. Yeah. Even though I was right about two of them. Oh, my gosh. I was expecting Captain America to just literally die. Not what he did. Oh, my goodness. So I much garbage. What they so did to his garbage. character literally killed it. Just once again, just they don't even acknowledge all of the writing that they've been leading up to this entire time. Exactly. Like, like for the entire would... series of Captain America, it was finding Bucky. And then as soon as he finds mm-hmm. Bucky, what does he do? Oh, he goes and he leaves for his girlfriend that like was already married. We, she had an entire show where she was married. And now we're just going to go and wreck she... on that. Oh, yeah. You are destroying all of Peggy Carter's growth as a character by... We're discussing death, but as far as I'm concerned, (laughs) Captain America is just dead because that killed everything about his character. Yes. Oh my goodness. So that brings us to Iron Man, Tony Stark. Oh, Tony Stark. big, bad death that everyone has feelings over. So on top there are of so many ways, that mm. is a good example of the shock value death because there are so many ways they could have changed it to have the same ending without Tony dying. Yeah. So part. So as a writer, I understand why they killed Tony the way that they did. They it was it, it was cyclical writing, and you know I'm always. I love cyclical writing. Like they, they, they ended with the character that they started the franchise with. He's the one that built the Avengers. He's the one that should be ending the Avengers. Um, stuff like that. But there are like they, they have the, they had they made a big deal about bringing Captain Marvel in from halfway across the universe so that she could fight, and then she, she was mostly just like backup she was dealing with like the swaths of armies she could have her powers came from the tesseract she probably could have wielded the the infinity stones and lived and same thing with thor he is finally except he's done grieving he was probably in a state to be able to handle the infinity stones like they they prevented him from handling them before when they brought everyone back that he probably could have handled them but no, they didn't have Not either that, of them. But if they had, if they had had to Thor do it, they could have just made him lose an arm, and then he'd be like, comic like book they Thor. did in the comics. Oh There's a goodness. setup already for that. Or even they could do what they did in Guardians of the Galaxy. We have established that multiple people working together can yes. handle the power yes, we could have of had the Infinity Stones. A big Avengers assemble. The Avengers assemble, and they all wield the Infinity Stones together, and they could have prevented Tony from dying. Or they could have had Captain America do it. That would be a sacrifice he would make. That would have killed him in a meaningful, ended his character in a meaningful, yes. rounded way. Because yes. he was the first Avenger in everything. He is literally the first the Avenger. first Avenger. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I have so many feelings about this. Uh. So there, the death was a key example of a bad shock value death mm-hmm. that just was aggravating. <sighs> And also, like, I kind of don't even, like, as much as I did cry after the end of Endgame um, over his death, 
um, because he had to leave behind his family that he worked so hard to get. He worked so hard to like feel like he deserved this family. And then now he has to die and leave them behind. So real quick, you were <clears throat> yelling in my ear. I apologize. I, I'm going to back up now. But so <laughs> sensational. So not only did he have to leave behind um, his family, um, as much as I did die, uh, as much as I did cry over that. Um, you died. <laughs> I died. Inside. Are you a good or a bad fictional character, Death Cat? <laughs> so as, as much as I, um, I cried over his death and him having to leave behind Morgan, um, he, his death was kind of selfish in a way. Like he, it, it was a very egotistical death. Like, cause he, mm-hmm. he pops off that one liner for writing's sake. And, um, and like, he, he was like, I have to be the one to do this. Like I, I'm big manly man. I'm protecting my family. But like out of sheer desperation, he, he does this and he doesn't even think, um, he just gets them and he, he does it just like on impulse and and he pops off that one liner. I am Iron Man, and, and then that that's the end. Blah blah blah. Oh, whoop, no more, no more Tony Stark. How dare they? Uh, I need I need a drink. <laughs> Is it five o'clock yet? <laughs> Jeez, it's five o'clock somewhere, cat. Five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> five o'clock somewhere. That's like. The deaths in Endgame were so bad. Let me mm-hmm. just tell you, I cried harder at How to Train Your Dragons 3. Oh. And no one died. <laughs> yeah, no one Never did seen die. It. Have we but all I seen How to Train so Your Dragon? No. Dang it, Silver. <laughs> Mr. No Disney. It's not Disney, it's DreamWorks. Mr. No, Mr. No DreamWorks. They're the same exact thing, aren't they? No, oh God, no. This is a, oh my gosh. DreamWorks developed because they wanted to get away from Disney. <laughs> and yet they do the same exact style of movie no, and such. They don't. They, oh my it Feels gosh. like they do. This is the topic You're for uneducated. another day. <laughs> You're uneducated in animation. Yeah. Let the, let the I know plenty talk. about let, animation. Let the writers talk. <laughs> I'm just not a fan of American uh, animation. <laughs> regardless, that was our feelings on Marvel. Yeah. Um, so th- that's a good example of a shock value death. Several shock and value deaths. And a lot of no consequences deaths. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a couple things that we also wanted to discuss that not all of us know about. I mean, obviously, Silver doesn't know about Marvel. Mm-hmm. Glaring at you, Silver. I don't know literally anything that either of you like interact with. <laughs> uh, well, how about you take a moment to rant about um, the deaths in Ruby? Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> do oh, it. Boy. Oh, okay. Well, I could only apparently mention the two that. Uh, kid is seen mm-hmm. so and, and like as far as I'm concerned it's like Penny and Pira both died in like somewhat decent ways like those were two of the better deaths in Ruby 
Are you and sure? That's... Because from what I've seen, yes. Penny's kind of a cop-out because she comes back. Yes, I know. That's what I'm saying about how bad the rest of them are. Really? Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I then told you the writing gets real bad after season three. Yo, I also know Oz dies, so talk about him too. That That's another cop-out uh, though, because he just totally dies and gets out. reincarnated or whatever. I mean, yeah, like... The character dies, but, like, the soul doesn't, like... Yes, that's... goes on to Oscar. Like, cute little farm boy. Okay, I adore Oscar. He's the only reason I want to keep watching Ruby. Let me just say that. <laughs> I mean, I everything. only watch it because, like, I absolutely ship Blake and Yang. That is the only reason I watch Ruby is just because I ship them just so hard. That's a fair <laughs> ship. However, Oscar... <laughs> Oscar is an adorable, too pure for this world cinnamon roll, and the entire reason I want to keep watching. That is I mean, I ship him and Ruby, but it gets a little creepy when there's an old man in his hat and his head. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like my problem. Okay, let, let's talk about Ozpin first. So he fights Cinder when she goes down to the vault or to the wherever Pyrrha was getting her soul transferred from the other maiden and stops that from happening and then she fights Ozpin and you get like maybe like 10-20 seconds of fight scene and then it cuts off to something else you see Cinder like fly away like you don't see anything you see Ozpin kind of winning if anything so you see an off-screen death yeah you you don't see him die what? Like, you see them fight, and he's not even being overpowered. If anything, he's winning, but it's, like, pretty even. And you see Cinder fly away. And then, like, they don't actually say that he dies until, like, later. And even then, you kind of always get the feeling that, like, Cinder is lying, because, like, that's all she ever does. So, like, you don't even get confirmation until he shows up in Oscar. He's like, yo, I'm here now. What up, boy? Like... So it takes so long for you to realize, oh, I guess he is dead. But it's inconsequential because now he's an Oscar, which is honestly better for them because that gives him an undercover, like, persona because now he could operate without being known. Wait, so it's not only inconsequential, it's unmemorable as well? Not memorable, like, whatsoever, other than the fact that, like, you know that Oscar gets introduced and, like, Oscar's uh, main character. So it's, like, memorable in that sense, but, like... Meh. Okay, I know you guys can't see me, but I've just had a constant face of just being absolutely dumbfounded. Like, what kind of death is that? It Trash. Doesn't, it's not even a death. It's like a transfer of sorts. Transfer. He showed yeah. up elsewhere. Like, and like, it ends up being beneficial to the main characters. Like, it's just like straight up like a good thing. Like, what? And by the time you realize, oh, I guess he actually is dead and not just, like, escape somewhere or something else happened. Like, by the time you realize, oh, he is dead, you already just, like, don't even care. Like, ugh. And then C Cinder flies away. And then Pyrrha's like, hmm, I think I will 1v1 this, like, crazy woman who just killed the, like, guy who's been training all of us indirectly. The top of the Beacon Academy. Yeah, I think they'll just 1v1-er. And the fact that she even, like, holds her own at all is kind of just sad. Like, it's just another part of the writers not understanding the characters' power levels. 
and that continues to happen throughout the series. Like garbage. It like if it followed the actual power levels of the character, like yeah, Pyrrha is insanely powerful, but like Cinder is like already half or full maiden at that point. I don't quite remember. Like on top of that, even if she was tired from fighting Ozpin, she has so much more training and power that she just like wipe the floor with Pyrrha. Which is another show to the fact that they just completely disregarded what Monty Um wanted to do because Monty Um had it originally happen as a much better character death where John was there and wasn't strong enough that she ended up dying to protect him, which would have been so much better. Oh which gosh. would have made sense uh, canonically. Exactly. Everyone knows. Instead, she just like instead she just kisses him. Shock value. Okay, ship is confirmed, and then just dies, and it's just like oh okay. Like, I like the way that she, like, I like the quotes at the end, like, the do you believe in destiny call back to that. Like, the way that she dies in the end is, like, okay, but, like, it could have been so much better. Like, like that would have been very And then Penny is too. just pure shock value. I'm just imagining the character development that would have happened with John if that had happened the way Monty Owen wanted. That would have been so impactful for him. Exactly. Instead, he just carries it around and cries like a twenty-four-seven. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, Ruby apparently, yeah, Ruby does jump up and sees her die, but like, okay, Ruby sees her die immediately. Emotional outburst, silver eyes, like, stuns whatever the hell it does to Cinder. Like, I know that her arm was grim, so that it would burn that off, but like. What even happens there? Oh, wait, flash of light. Okay, we're not going to even tell you. Just imagine it. Go for it. Yeah, it's all fine. Don't worry about it. Damn. Crow picks her up unconscious on the floor. Like, yeah, it's fine. And then Penny just, like, pure shock value dies. It's just like, oh, okay, yes. I mean, which was fine because it set up everything else to happen. Like, it was just the first stepping stone. So, like, it was a shock value death that was kind of done right in the sense that it allows the rest of the plot to continue. Because there's no real way to have her not die. And her death does impact the character's, like, values and such. They remember her. She's rebirthed with all of her memories, but at least it has a consequence in the fact that it takes up... I don't know if it ever says exactly how much, but some of her father's soul. Which is why at least we're hoping that she doesn't get revived again, because it doesn't say how much of his soul, or aura, sorry. Well, I guess same thing, but like, ugh. Am I correct in my timeline with Penny, that she dies, comes back corrupted, gets healed from corruption, dies again, and then gets rebirthed as a human? No. Okay, okay. so she dies in season three. You don't see her again until season seven? It's seven or eight. And... She's just, like, totally fine. They see her, and so she has a virus, Watson puts a virus on her that's, like, going to kill her because she needs to get to the vault. The virus says, take her to the vault and then self-destruct. Open the vault, self-destruct. So as soon as she does that, they open the vault, freeze time by summoning... I forget his name. It's some wacky weird name, but the god of... the staff of creation freeze time with him, make a human body for her, transfers into a human body, and then immediately dies the next episode. <laughs> I mean, the timeline, they, they need to make longer. It's a problem of having 
12 episode series 12 to 14 episode series and it's not even like a half hour long episode like regular it's like some of them are five minutes it's like are you kidding me how are you having a 12 12 episode series with five minute long chapters like what are you doing that's incredible like everything just feels so rushed like her death like at the end was another decent one because they make Jean kill her so that she can choose who the power goes to rather than Cinder siphoning it, which is another big moment for him as a character. But, like, it just happens way too fast, in my opinion. Like, you literally just brought her back. Why are you cramming all of this into five-minute episodes? What? <laughs> so, you have described so much happening. <laughs> yeah. Because it all happens so fast. The fight scenes are never long past, like, season, like, three, feels like. That's lame. Because it, it just depends. Sometimes they're five-minute episodes. They go up to 20-minute episodes. The longest episode was 21 minutes, I think. It was season seven, whatever won the Lost Fable. But, like, when you cut out the intro and outro, they're all, like, 15-minute 15, average, maybe at best. Like, that's, like, the longer ones. Generally somewhere between, like, it's would say maybe, like, nine-minute average when you cut out the intro-outro. Like, it's kind of just, like, not enough time. That was why literally everyone flipped their crap. Everyone flipped their crap. Let me look up how long The Lost Fable was. Everyone flipped their, like, minds blown that they made an episode last this long. Lost Fable. That was Ruby. So Ruby had bad deaths. The whole slew of bad deaths. <laughs> Uh, Those were the better ones, which is saying something. Oh, no, there's worse deaths? Oh, no. Yeah. The worst one I'm not going to spoil for you because you haven't heard of, Kit. But, like, oh, my Lord. It it made me very, very angry. Well, I can imagine. Lordy Lou. So it was 26 minutes, 35 seconds is the longest episode. And that's counting intro and outro, oh which are both, like, a minute and a half. So, like, let's cut three minutes off that. That's 23 minutes is the longest episode ever, and everyone was going crazy. Like... You know you're not doing something right if, if the people are mind-blown that you can make an episode long. Like... Of an average length. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, typically, like, actual shows aren't 30 minutes because of commercials and whatnot, but... Yeah, they usually average closer to 20 but still, that's a normal episode length. If people are mind blown yeah. that your episodes are reaching 20 minutes and you have so much content, there might be a problem with your writing. Might be. I'm sure Monty Ohm did it much better mm-hmm. because seasons one to three are really good, but we'll never know. Oh, well. We will never know. I know Kat is dying to talk about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I am dying oh to talk about something JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Neither yes. Silver nor I. <laughs> yes, something neither Silver nor I have any input on. Go. I've seen the memes, but who hasn't? <laughs> oh, you're approaching me? I can't beat the shit out of you without getting closer. Out of you without oh, getting closer. As close as you like. <laughs> I think that's my favorite meme. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, so to start off... But it was me, Dio! <laughs> um, start off, uh, let's start with, uh, Avdol. 
in Stardust Crusaders, because I feel like most people who watch JoJo have seen Stardust Crusaders, at least. Um, so Avdol technically dies twice, sort of. He has two death scenes, but he only actually ends up dying once. The first time he ended up in the hospital, um, and the reason that they don't talk about it um, is because they wanted to keep Polnareff in the dark. But it's kind of... Um, so because they, they needed to like keep a low profile um traveling to Cairo and they knew that Polnareff would blab if um if they if uh he knew that Avdol wasn't actually dead um and uh the people would probably try and target Avdol in the hospital which is not the place you want to be targeted exactly in. But I feel like there could have been ways for you to, for Araki to write that he wasn't actually dead. And, and maybe he does in the, in the manga. I'm not sure. I haven't actually read the Stardust Crusaders manga. I've only been reading uh, Vento Oreo. Um, but uh, there are ways that you could have gone about um, informing the audience that he wasn't actually dead um, without... Um, informing the other characters like there there are ways to like foreshadow that but the way they went about doing it in the show was by just not dwelling on it very long so he gets shot in the head and the bullet like grazes his skull um and i i was and that doesn't kill him <laughs> it, it like he like managed to push his head back just in time for it to like just glance off of it um and he wears a, a headband so you don't even end up seeing the scar um and so um the entire show is just sort of uh established that the effects of stands isn't very permanent because like the entire show they're they're uh they're like you defeat an enemy stand user the effects of the stand go away um and then avdal comes back and it just sort of creates a lack of permanence to their deaths. Um, and they, they, they don't even really dwell that much on him being gone. And like, it, it wasn't very memorable because uh, I actually had to go back and look up how did Avdol die the first time. <laughs> um, Amazing. And uh, they don't talk about him being gone. Like Polnareff grieves like for a little bit. And, and he's like, you guys are fools for not, like, valuing his death. And, like, I, as as an audience member, I was like, you guys aren't even going to, like, go back and bury him? Like, what what is going on? And they, they just don't talk about it. And it was stupid. Um, Maybe if we just, like, don't talk about it, it, it the problem will go away. away. <laughs> Maybe. Is that is that how death works? There's oh so gosh. much swear jar in this episode, guys. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to have a whole field day editing. Um, but anyway, it's gonna <laughs> owe us a lot of money for this swear jar. <laughs> I got a lot of change in my pocket. I'll be sure to put it in there. Um, <laughs> so then Avdol comes back, and he and Polnareff have a little bonding moment that was kind of weird. <laughs> and um, and then they continue on with their journey, uh, and then they get to. Dio's mansion um and once again I talk about how the effects of stand users go away when you defeat the stand user um 
Avdol's second death was him getting sucked into a void. And so based on, you know, previous experience, you defeat Vanilla Ice. That's literally his name, Vanilla Ice. <laughs> you defeat, uh, you can supposedly bring back the stuff that got sucked into the void. But they don't. When Vanilla Ice dies, his soul just wanders off into the ether. And so that's the only way that you know that his death was permanent. And they don't really do a good job of giving weight to um, the situation when he actually did die. You didn't. You don't get confirmation that he's actually dead until afterwards. Um, and so that's one bad death that sticks out to me. Um, and also, uh, there are other deaths throughout the series that sort of establish that um, your soul has some agency in whether or not you die if the circumstances are right. Um, that there's, there's Okuyasu, um, who he has a touching moment uh, where he, um, uh, you, you actually see him in the limbo space uh, and he goes to his brother and his brother's like, oh no, no, you have to choose. You can't just follow me wherever I go. And he goes, well, then I'm going back to Morio. And then he doesn't even realize he died. It was actually kind of cute. But um, that sort of like establishes precedent that, you know, if the circumstances are right and your body gets healed fast enough, then um, you could potentially stay living. Um, and they address that in part five. And this is why Abakio's death is kind of bullshit. Because... So up until this point, we have established that Abakio is not a trusting person. He does not take anything at face value. Um, and he um, he, <laughs> he uh, is very stubborn. Um, and so when Abakio wakes up in the limbo space and he's given that choice, um, what ends up convincing him to stay didn't even really seem like he, it didn't really seem like his choice. So he has that he was, he's a former cop. Um, and the reason why he stopped being a cop was because his partner died. He meets him in the afterlife and that's what makes him realize that he's dead. And he was about to go back. He was, so it, it was a little street. He was at a cafe and he was about to get on the bus. And that was supposed to bring him back to um, the real world. Um, and then his partner goes, oh, that's the bus that you came back on. That's the bus that you came on. That, that was the last stop. And he just believes him? He just believes him? This entire time, this stubborn asshole has been, like, defiant of anything anyone says to him. And he just believes him? And he just dies. And that's him dying. It, mm, it's just but the way that they wrote it the way that they wrote him um going the way that they made him meeting uh his partner was actually very moving and like i didn't care about abakio that much as a character up until that point and i actually did cry because the afterlife scene was actually very well written but nonetheless like it was cut it he sh he should have held on. He should have at least held on for longer. He should have at least tried to get on the bus. Like I feel like there there were just 
things that he could have done differently in that situation that would have fit his characterization better. Kid, I'm getting a lot of negative energy from Kat. <laughs> I honestly stopped I'm listening. I'm sensing a lot of rage. <laughs> I stopped listening. None of this makes sense to me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have been listening, but I'm not going to pretend that I understand. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's all... You... So Kat talks to me all the time about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and I can't tell you how often I tune them out. Oh. <laughs> well, maybe if you would stop tuning them out, maybe things would make more sense. <laughs> I don't care, though. I, I, I'm happy to let you rant and get it off your chest. I know you care about it. Uh-huh. I don't care, though. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't. Right in the feels, man. Had to leave a mark. It did leave a mark. I mean, I could tell you're passionate about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone can tell that. <laughs> I know I'm terrible. I should care because you care. <laughs> I understand. Like it's hard to make you care about something that you just don't care about. <laughs> I'm sure you've tuned me out at some point. It's yeah, gotta be something bit. I've rambled. <laughs> I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's one thing. I mean, I, to be fair, I ramble a lot. <laughs> yeah. I know Silver's tuned me out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do that to everyone, though. It's mainly just a lack of my attention. I start thinking, um, I wonder what I'm going to have for dinner today. Oh, wait, I already asked that. <laughs> I actually almost turned my, um, my, uh, my tablet while you guys were talking about Ruby and started working on a drawing I'm working on. <laughs> Then I was like, no, I'm going to actually make an effort to pay attention. <laughs> Man, you were probably better off not paying attention to Ruby stuff. It, all it does is make you angry. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it kind of like, I don't even watch it. It made me frustrated. <laughs> yeah, I watch it for the characters, but like, that's about it. So we've done a lot of negative. I don't think we've covered a single positive death. <laughs> Abakios was sort I, of I, positive. I, I did feel things. Even though I didn't care about him. I felt that was about it. <laughs> but I have a death in an, in an anime I watched. Mm-hmm. That was such a good death. It was impactful. It was meaningful. It made me hurt in all the right ways. Oh, it was mm-hmm. so good. I've watched it like 50 times. And that is from the anime Banana Fish. Don't judge it by the name. It's an awesome anime. It is my all-time favorite anime. Mm-hmm. And that death was Shorter. Shorter, shorter, if you don't know the show, yeah, Shorter, that's literally his name, <laughs> was the best friend of the main character and a gang member in his own, gang leader in his own right. Uh, mm-hmm. He was kind of blackmailed into betraying his best friend and kidnapping the guy his best friend was like totally in love with, but they never said that. Mm-hmm. And then he was later injected with the drug that the whole show is named after Mm -hmm. that made him go crazy. And in that moment when the main character and the main character, both the main characters are held, Shorter attempts to kill one of the main characters, Eiji, in front of his best friend, Ash. And the whole time, Ash is chained up begging Shorter to stop and Shorter actually goes to Ash, tells him I can't stop, kill me and there's that moment that 
Ash does. He shoots Shorter directly through the chest in one shot. He's an amazing shot. And it's so painful because he cries and he hates himself. And he gets furious that they take the body away. And Eiji, even though Shorter was trying to kill him, Eiji is just like trying to wake him up. Like, come on, you, you can't be dead. This can't be happening. None of this is happening. It's so painful. Oh my gosh. I need to finish this show. It's it's so painful because they're both like, neither of them wanted the death to happen, even though they had to cause the death. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's impactful. They remember things. That death of Shorter sets off a chain of events that eventually leads to the ending. It gains them a new ally and a new enemy, and it sets off a whole chain of events for things that happen later. It follows through to the very end of the show like they never let it go and even when he's going off trying to save his boyfriend ash is just like still remembering and avenging shorter's death the whole time wow and it happens so suddenly you know it's a very sudden thing that you kind of weren't expecting you didn't get a lot of time with this character but it's so impactful Wow. I gave my one good character death of uh, Sarah from The Last of Us, Joel's daughter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's in the first 20 minutes I, of the game. I, I, The two of you should watch, like, the two-minute YouTube clip. That's basically all the information that you need to get from okay. it. Okay. You can send it to us afterwards. Yeah. There oh are other deaths in Banana Fish that are also good deaths. I think the last death that I'm not going to spoil for anyone mm-hmm. wasn't the best. I think they could have handled it differently. At the same time, it was painful and it made sense and I understood why it happened. I didn't like it, but I understood it. Right. Man, I need to finish the show now. Something. I want to go it's feel so things. Good. <laughs> it's so I good. I want to go feel things. It gives oh me all the right feels. It hurts so good. I have a lot of visual novels to give you for some feelings. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can't promise you that you'll still be obsessed with JoJo afterwards, though. Yeah, <laughs> I'll probably hyperfixate on it a lot. Oh my gosh. Yeah, trade one obsession for another. You know how it yep. goes. Please, please hyperfixate on one of my visual novels so I get fan art that's really good. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll draw you something of Owie or something. Can I just add another death in real fast that I liked the way it was handled? Hmm. So Absolutely not. Yeah, go for it. How dare you. Y'all know my obsession <laughs> with the author Brandon Sanderson. Of course. Never heard of him. How dare you? I will murder you. That man is my idol. I adore him. Anyway, he has this book called Elantris. So if you haven't read Elantris and you want to read Elantris, it's this amazing book. And Brand- Branderson's fantasy world Branderson. is just incredible. Branderson! That's what we call him, okay? <laughs> Hush you. Branderson's fantasy worlds are so incredibly detailed and well thought out and, inc- and amazing and just intricate. There, was these ca- there were three main characters in Elantris. The main, the main male love interest, the prince, the princess from the other kingdom that settled into an arranged marriage with the prince. I love their relationship. It's adorable. And then the kind of antagonistic kind of guy from the other kingdom that's trying to corrupt the main kingdom. 
I, for the life of me, cannot remember his name. But he's like the kind of antagonist that you can understand, especially since Branderson gives you a first-person point of view of him. And he's almost in a Prince Zuko kind of I'm rooting for him kind of way because he's not as bad as the other guys in his in his uh, religion and whatnot. Mm. However, he does a lot of bad things. He does some really awful things throughout the books, and I'm just like, you're questionable. At the end, though, he, like, totally falls in love with the main female character, and he does sacrifice himself for her sake, which you would think I wouldn't like, because it's a sacrificial redemption, which is, as we've established, bad. Uh Uh-huh. However, why I liked it was because she didn't forgive him. She didn't care. She's like, hey... Yeah, you sacrificed yourself for me, and that was cool. But you did a ton of stuff before that that I am not cool with. You basically almost killed my husband. Whoa. Like she, she, <laughs> yeah, she never forgives him for the things that he it's did. It's removing the competition. <laughs> she never really forgives him for the things that he did that were bad and just, you know, questionable. She says, mm-hmm. yeah, that was cool. Maybe you were misunderstood. I can't tell you what you did was wrong. I can't. I didn't get enough time to judge you properly. I didn't like what I saw. We had kind of an adversarial thing going. I know I respected your intelligence and you respected mine. We kind of respected each other as rivals, but you did bad things. And I'm not saying that you're fine because of your death. So I I just really liked the way that was handled. And something else that, like, Branderson pointed out was, he he died without her ever really knowing that he fell in love with her and was doing this because he loved her. He just did it because she thought he had an epiphany of, wow, this is really messed up. What we're doing is bad. <laughs> so I just really liked the way that was handled overall. It was a good death. That's good. But it has been an hour. Since yeah, we we've been talking, talking for an hour. <laughs> about our not serious subject. Why can't we be this serious about serious stuff, man? I know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Life's hard. Hopefully next time we have um something more to talk about. Well yeah, next time I think Silver's gonna go on a thirty minute rant all on his own. Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned if you wanna hear about Silver's experience with grad school (laughs) well experience with regular college grad school is common and i don't think that i'm gonna care for that either probably not we all have varying opinions on school i miss school i need to finish school you sweet hmm. summer child we'll talk about this next time (laughs) yeah let's go ahead and leave this here well, everyone, thanks for listening. I'm Misty Silver. I'm Miss Kit. And I'm Mix Cat. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs>